0: And on this third Sunday of Easter Tide, we are in the book of Acts, and we are going to begin reading in chapter nine, at verse one. Listen for the word of God. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, He might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he asked, who are you, Lord? And the reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he answered, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house, and he laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. And then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. So let us begin at the end this morning. Let us begin at the end with these words. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And I heard a loud voice say, See, the home of God is among mortals, and he will dwell with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Or how about these words? The wolf shall lay with the lamb. The cow and the bear will graze together, and a little child shall lead them. Or these. Ho! Everyone who thirsts, come to the water and drink. You that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. I will make with you an everlasting covenant. Or these. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Or these, early on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb carrying the spices that they had prepared so that they may anoint the body. And suddenly, two young men in white appeared and said, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. We begin at the end because when we consider the words about the end it pulls us ever more deeply into God's story because these words are God's story. These words tell us about God's intent for all of creation and that God will do whatever it takes to bring the end about And so in the resurrection of Jesus, we have the first fruits, as Paul calls it. We have the first sign of what God intends for all creation. And in beginning at the end, we begin to get an idea of what it means to let our story be taken up into God's story. If we are disciples of Jesus Christ, that is our aim, is to have our story woven into God's story. And what results is a reordering of our reality. A reorientation of who we are in the world. I'll give you a $500 seminary word. And that word is proleptic. In other words, for God, the end that is described in Scripture about what God intends is already reality. It is already God's reality. And as disciples, we are called to take that story that seems like it doesn't exist for us yet and bring it into the now. There is a movement like this. That's what living proleptically means. And let's go to the end of Paul's story, as the book of Acts tells it. Paul is in Rome at the end of the book of Acts, and it appears that it is his end, and yet... He preaches what he has experienced in the resurrected Christ. He preaches it to the end because he has been living proleptically into God's story. And so it is astonishing when we consider when Paul, who had been named Saul, when he first appears in the book of Acts, it is at the stoning of Stephen. And he is holding the cloaks for everybody else who is throwing stones at Stephen. And he becomes very zealous in his persecution of those who call themselves Christian the way the book of Acts describes it is the way, those who follow the way. And Saul would be one of those that I would think you couldn't change. Saul would be one of those who would be so entrenched in his own way of doing things. He was a Pharisee. He was a student of Gamaliel. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was also a Roman citizen. There was a great deal of privilege that was accrued to being a Roman citizen. Why? Why should he even consider changing? Because it was all going well, and he was right. So he thought. But in his experience on the Damascus Road, something astonishing happens. And he begins to live into God's story. He has a vision of the end. The resurrected Christ. And he begins to live in that story. And it completely reorients his life. Completely. And for some unknown reason, God decides that Saul, who becomes Paul, is going to be an instrument of the gospel, who is going to take it beyond Jerusalem, beyond Galilee. What if? What if? Our story became subject to God's story in such a way. What if we lived our lives... in a proleptic fashion, with the end becoming our reality. What would happen here? What could happen in Garland? And we know from Paul's story that when we live into God's story, that it's not an easy path. It was not a cushy life for Paul. But the reality that God brought to bear in Paul's life was so astonishing that over 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. My friends, here and now, change can happen. Such is the nature of God's story. Amen.